Hey, welcome back to the uh, the Aerospace Executive Podcast. Um, I am back uh, once again. My good friend Brian Foley is uh, is with me. Brian is one of the uh, the industry's top analysts. Focuses primarily on business aviation. Writes some great stuff in uh, Forbes magazine. Got a long track record of industry experience, mostly with Falcon Jet, and now does a lot of consulting. And uh, I'm just thrilled to have you back on, Brian. Thanks for thanks for taking some time. Yeah, my, my pleasure. And you're right. I do have a very long record. <laughs> there you go. No handcuffs, though, I hope, right? No, no, no. No, no handcuffs. <laughs> hey, so I loved what you wrote in Forbes the other day, kind of about, you know, wheels up, you know, where things are going and and uh, where, where, where do we start? Lots of new stuff happening. You got Delta taking a big position and wheels up. You've got Falcon Jet or Dassault certifying the, uh, the new 6X. Uh, the charter market went crazy, and now it's sort of coming back down to reality. You got pilots, got those pesky pilots who all want to get paid. So, lots to chat about. Yeah, that's a that, that's a pretty big category to tackle here. But let's let's break it down into pieces and and hit hit some of those. Um, first, first, just a very general description of the business aviation industry today. Um, it, it's certainly come down from its COVID highs and is, is still above pre-pandemic levels, but the air is starting to come out of it. It's not crashing. It's just slowing down to, let's say, sustainable levels. Mm-hmm. But in, in my view, because of COVID, the industry as a whole has, has gotten basically a 10% shot in the arm forever going forward. So in other words, because of COVID and more people being exposed to general aviation or business aviation, pre-owned sales will always be 10% higher than they would have if that hadn't happened. Um, Charter, fractional, new sales, um, aircraft finance, all all of those things in a strange way have have benefited long-term. Clearly, we're not at the frothy highs that we were in these industries in the 2020-2021 timeframe. Um, they've been slowing down a little bit over the last couple of years, and now we're we're, we're almost there. Um, mm-hmm. Current uh, business jet utilization is about 15% higher than it was pre-pandemic. I think that'll deflate a little bit more to my 10%. Charter has been falling a little bit faster um, than some of the other segments, and that's, as I mentioned, some people... Um, are price sensitive after all, and and they have uh, better ideas than to spend twenty grand to go from New York to Palm Beach each mm-hmm. way. So they're going back to their economy plus or, or their their business flight in, in business class, or or maybe they're just you know staying but just using it a lot less and being a little more targeted in when they use it. Yeah. Um, but never, nevertheless, the the industry is. Uh, Cooking along, the business jet manufacturers are reporting, uh, you know, a few more backlog uh, numbers each quarter, so they're doing better. Um, sales to deliveries or book to bill, if you want to call it that, are, are roughly one to one for the industry. So for every airplane that gets delivered, another sale comes in, which is which is healthy. Um, you know, we we had been uh, one point five to two <laughs> two sales for every delivery at one point, but that really wasn't sustainable. Um, but we're in a good good place now, and uh, you know, full, full steam ahead. Just just not as rabid as it had been. There you go. No, I lo- I mean, look, the, the the whole industry took a big shot. I mean, obviously, it was crazy. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, when you when I start to see aircraft sales, you know, don't bother taking it to pre buy because I'm not fixing anything. 
as is where is crazy numbers on the uh, crazy numbers on the prices. You're like, whoa, it's what's going on here. You know, the polar opposite of what you saw back in 2000, you know, 10, 11, 12, even up to 13, 14 and 15, you know, then all of a sudden it's just like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, you're you're, you're right. We never saw pre-owned activity like it was as far as the number of transactions. We never saw pre-owned inventory get as low as it had. And it's it's creeping back closer to to, to normal now. Pre-owned pricing is just now starting to react. There's there's always a lag effect for some reason with prices. Mm -hmm. And now that there's more supply than demand, prices are slowly starting to work their way back down and aren't, aren't quite as crazy anymore. So let's talk about the goods. So Falcon Disso yeah. just got the the 6X certified. Yep, all, should, all good. Yeah. Should Gulfstream be worried? Should Gulfstream and Bombardier be worried? Maybe more Bombardier than than the other guys. But you're you're right. There's just a plethora of new big cabin jets coming into the market. It seems all simultaneously right now. But you know, on the Bombardier side, you have the the, the 7500. Global 7500, kind of on its own in in that category. Mm -hmm. And Gulfstream was a little bit busy, you know, getting its 500 and 600 in order, um, working the 700, 800. And and similarly with Dasso, you know, they they were sidelined a really long time after the 5X was canceled. And Mm -hmm. then they worked their way into the 6X and and finally have that out the shoot now. And they're working on the on the 10X. But you know, whereas Bombardier had been sitting there alone for a while, they've now got some warm company from Gulf, both uh, Gulfstream and and Dassault. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on them and see how they fare through all this. 10X could be a very uh, 10X is going to be a very interesting challenger to the the 800 and the global 8000. It, it, it is. I've, I've been, you know, I am first uh, f- fair warning. I am a former Dassault guy. Um, but that, that aside, I have been through the, the the mock-up before and was really impressed with the width of that thing and height. And it's it's uh, it, it's going to be some serious competition out there for the others, for sure. Has the last clean sheet light jet been designed? Does it, is everything now just a derivative and an improvement? Do you ever see it? Does, does Cessna or Embraer, you know, you got the Phenom 300 out there, great airplane. You've got CJ4, latitude, you know, the latitude is a smaller one than the longitude. I always get the two mixed up. But you think about the light jet category, has the last one been designed? Yeah, has the last clean sheet design been designed? Yeah, who who knows? But there's only uh, so many iterations you can do to a given airframe before you really have to do something new or else you're customers just won't buy anymore because there's so much similar inventory on the used market that's identical to the new stuff, essentially. Mm-hmm. Some some planes, I'd argue, this, this example isn't in the light jet sector, but t- take a look at the Challenger 650. There's there's no place for that airplane to go right now. They've, in, in my view, done everything to the wing, done everything to the engine, did everything to the avionics, and there's there's really no place else to go there other than a new plane. And I'm sure there's uh, some similar analogies um, down at the light end. That, that's been a little sleepy as well. So we're ready for some something new there for sure. Yeah, it just seems like the bigger, yeah, the bigger, bigger, bigger. I mean, I, I was I was standing next to a 7500 the other day. I, I was sort of embarrassed. It was the first time I'd really stood next to a 7500. I'm like, gosh, this is a big airplane. <laughs> it is a yeah, monster is. airplane. Like, wow, can you know? But but you know, you know, nobody's you know, twenty years ago when I was at Gulfstream, you know, everybody thought 
the G5 Global Express competition was nuts. And then you think about a couple thousand, you know, a couple thousand of those are out there. And then you think about they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the bigger they get, the more they sell. And uh, it's it. Yeah, who would have thunk? Yeah, go, go, going back, it was the same thing, I guess, with the single engine turbo prop. When we we asked ourselves, who's who's going to pay a million dollars for a single engine propeller airplane? And that's that's in history. But yeah, they 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 make a name for themselves, and and they the market keeps coming. Well, who's going to pay? Yeah, it's a Cirrus, an SR twenty two is a million bucks now. Yeah. <laughs> Forget the turboprop. I was talking to uh, my good friend, Bill Alderman. I don't know if you know Bill. He's an investment banker yeah, up at a cell side. Bill's awesome. He's a good friend of mine. And we're just like, hey, Bill, if you're going to spend a million dollars on an airplane today, what would you buy? Wow. And it was a very, it was a, it was a, it was a conversation like, yeah, his SR-22, he's got an SR-22 and he, he was like a probably $350,000 airplane. He's like, you know, I, I would be very hard to get rid of this thing for a... You know, TBMs are four million bucks. Pilatus are way up there. You know, do you get a Baron? Well, then you're, you know, it's like you think about a million dollars today, and what would you yeah. buy? And it's, it's you're really sort of in a no man's land. Yeah, you, you can even get a you know clapped out Learjet or, or something else elderly in in the hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars. Of course, it'll cost you a million to fix it up and fly it, but <laughs> nonetheless, you have a business jet. Yeah. Thank God for JSSI, right? <laughs> so hey, look, all right, so let's switch gears now. Wheels up. I've never, you know, look, honestly, I've never was a believer in the wheels up model. Very hard to make money off King Airs in a, in a, in a fractional service. You know, too much, the leg, the paid legs are just too short. Yeah. There's a lot of the deadhead pilots, the overhead. I mean, it's just a very, uh, I love Kenny Dichter. I think he's probably one of the best salespeople in the world, but I was just never a real fan of the, I was never a real fan of the business plan. Was I wrong? You're correct about the business model for um, small planes like a King Air, you know, compared to um, an operator of larger jets like NetJets, just the the, the, the customer, um, the, the final client for a King Air is going to be a lot more price sensitive. The margins are going to be smaller. There's just less room for error. So it's a much more difficult environment to try to make money. And when you're deadheading, you, you got a slow airplane that, that's su- sucking a lot of fuel. So operationally, it's it's difficult care and feeding for that 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 as well. So it's a it's a pretty tall order uh, for the new owners <laughs> to come in and and try to make that a, a, a going concern. Um, it's even more concerning is you've probably seen in the news where they keep getting little continual lifelines thrown at them. I think uh, a month ago, and and this off the top of my head, it was 15 million coming in from Delta. This month, it was 20 million coming in. Um, They they finally got a nice uh, boost when a couple of investors plus Delta came together and raised upwards of 500 million. Uh, Of that, 100 million is uh, um, Delta's credit line, let's call Mm -hmm. it that to them. You know, it, ha- it has to be said, though, that that hasn't been agreed to yet. You, you've got a lot of shareholders that you have to get in line and agree to, to change their terms. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's and it sounds like they're making progress um, in that direction. I heard that, you know, some of the covenants on these airplanes they own um, had been tripped on their loans and mm-hmm. they were, you know, certainly in in peril of losing them. Um, but from what I read recently, um, a lot of those 
financiers are on board now with some you know new, new terms and and ready to go forward. But still, there's vendors that have to be paid that haven't been for you know potentially months. Um, there's there's you know lawsuits. You're I, I presume <laughs> that you're taking on and you know just just a whole kettle of fish besides what you know you and I just see. Yeah, my only look, I, I don't see how. Yeah, I don't see how. Yeah, you know, you know, Bastion threw a hundred million bucks into Wheels Up right before COVID, and, and I was thinking, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, thank God for government money. I was thinking he probably wished he had that hundred million dollars back. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm not smart enough to get in his head, but you know, I'm thinking, you know, uh, timing. But I, I got to think that the only way this thing survives is some sort of Chapter Eleven bankruptcy, you know, restructuring the vendors, you know, your, 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 your stockholders get wiped out. Hopefully your vendors get paid something. And then you just see what, you know, you just see what some sort of private equity guys or Delta can, can make of it and you know, make of the pieces at the other end. But you know, combined, it's lost 2 billion, I think it's lost two or $3 billion. And, you know, it's like, how are you ever going to, you know, yeah, there's, there's definitely heavy duty dead. And I don't understand how private equity would take it over be, be, before it went bankrupt. Um, just, just to shed that maybe, maybe they're doing it post acquisition since they own 95% already, you know, why, why not? But, you know, just from Delta's perspective, it, it's, you know, sorry, it's, it's not their core business. You know, they're, they're, they're the, the Greyhound bus of the world and, and they're dabbling in, you know, let, let's call it a, a fancy limo service or something. You're just not, compatible in my mind and you know strategically i guess they indicate they're doing it so they can you know capture and keep their first class passengers but you know that that'll remain to be seen um but it's it's a bad business model to begin with it's been losing hundreds of millions a quarter um Mm -hmm. there's nothing to suggest that's changing much it's gone gone down a little bit but still in the hundreds of millions you know per quarter that they're losing you know, another thing that hasn't been discussed are pilot unions. Um, you know, there's hundreds of pilots at Wheels yeah. Up, and I, I know the contract has just been ratified. I, I can tell you from years past, United had a similar idea with their Avalar division, mm-hmm. and the union got on that and quashed it. And, you know, essentially hundreds of business jet orders for, for new jets were canceled, and it was uh, dissolved. So. Mm-hmm. Lot, lot, lots of bear traps out there for sure. Yeah, look, I, 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 you know, I don't know where Delta's trying to go. They keep trying to get into this high end, you know, with Delta private jets. Yeah, they bought Seagraves, and here they are. I don't know either. It's yeah, they've done it two or three times. It's never worked. Maybe, you know, maybe we should just be, maybe we should just be a really good airline and and go yeah. from there. Yeah. Well, well, they they certainly know the bankruptcy. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, deal, you know, they did that in yeah. 2005. So you and I could pay, you know, pensions forever going forward. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, that's in the back of their mind for wheels up as well. Sure. sure. <laughs> so, but you, you know, so is this, the, you know, like, okay, so jet suite left, yeah. Jet suite went bankrupt with a hundred million dollars in cards, outstanding jet cards. <laughs> yeah. Wheels up has got a whole trash load of, I don't know. I can't remember the number. You could, you probably know it on the top of your head they've got a whole bunch of cards out there that are outstanding is this the end of the jet card world or does it just change no i i think there's just a reckoning of charter operators and fractional operators that are highly leveraged in a rising interest rate environment and an environment where charter is slowing down right now an environment where there's not as much sub charter you know a lot of these startups depended on 
mm-hmm. uh, extra wheels up business that that isn't there anymore or extra you know vista jet you know make, make that up but that's mm-hmm. that that's another you know cog in the wheel of this industry is vista jet you know just as uh prominent as a wheels up only even more value in their fleet right now and there seems to be a lot of question marks on you know whether they remain a going concern according to their auditor not not mm-hmm. according to brian foley so we're we'll, we're certain to keep an eye on that but it's it's just not a good thing for the industry because if either of them either go away or or start yep. dissolving and getting rid of some of their fleet um that's a big impact for a small industry where a bunch of pre-owned airplanes come on the market because that kills the resale values in in the used market. Um, people won't buy new business jets because the used ones are going to be so cheap, you know, compared to a new one that that's going to um, cause some problems there. Um, you'll have uh, lending companies that get in serious trouble when 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 these airplanes hit um, mm-hmm. and they're underwater. So there's you know, a lot to come in this uh, saga, I believe. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, you know, uh, VistaJet is a million dollar a week interest payment. And you think about $500 million at nine and a half percent, that's a, that's a big, that's a big number. Right. In and interest that, that, to pay. You're referring to some bonds they just floated. Some bonds they floated at a discount, which sold at a discount. And, um, you know, so that's a big number they got to pay. It's a hard, you know, that's a, yeah, that's that's uh, you better get your sales team engaged. It's a big, yeah. it's a big nut, right? So to to your point, this thing isn't over yet. We're we're just starting to hear some feedback from the field, especially these uh, you know high profile ones. But you can bet there's some smaller ones out there that you, you may never hear about. They might just vanish. You know, it might get picked up in the news, but they're certainly not going to put a press release out that we close business. Yeah. Look, I'm not into Thomas Flores books. You know, I read what I read and, you know, I, I'm not I'm not close enough to their business to say, you know, good business or bad business. All I can say is, hey, look, on the surface, you know, nine and a half percent bond, 500 million bucks. That's a lot of interest to pay um, for, a, you know, for a biz jet operator. And then I think about the small, you know, I think about the small charter management companies that are dealing with, you know, pilots that want a lot of money. Hanger costs are up, insurance costs are up, fuel. Yeah, they're they're just in a high cost environment right now. And I gotta think that the the smaller 10 and under, you know, 10 aircraft, 10, 12, 15 aircraft or less charter yeah, management company is is really yeah, struggling. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah, simple math. You, you know what else is kind of an interesting thing going on right now in the industry is you would you would think investors are done with business aviation after getting burnt by wheels up and the future of some of these other companies and, and others like you know Jetit that just you know flat out went out of business. But we still see SPACs yep. <laughs> being oh, yeah. for, oh, for yeah. charter companies and, and it's funny they're being combined with everything but the kitchen sink into one yeah. fund and, and made public. Um, but it's always amazed me um, to to see some of them go out there and do this because some, some are, are only raising maybe you know forty million bucks and they're going yeah. public to do that, and and they might not understand that once you go public you you have all kinds of fees um, yeah. with, with with regard to um, you know keep, keeping up with the SEC and, and you know yeah. providing paperwork and and that can amount to you know one two million bucks a year just for compliance so, I, I was thinking surf air I'm like yeah, you, you yeah. what did they raise 20 million dollars they they floated this spec <laughs> they get 20 million bucks I'm like your cost of compliance alone yeah is gonna choke you 
And yeah, so yeah, the, the sad thing about Surf Air is that that's a that, that to me should have been a, a venture capital deal. Let's go find some California VCs to invest in this thing. And Fred Reed, you, you know, he's on their board and, and he was at Flex Jeff for a long time, ex Delta guy. And you know, he knows better. You know, I'm not I'm not exactly sure, you know, what I have no problem speaking my mind on that one. I'm just not exactly sure what the ultimate goal was, other than hey, you know, can we yeah, can we pass this off on some? Yeah, you know, so, so you know, can we just pass it on the you know pa- pass it off on the pink on the pink sheets to some <laughs> enterprising retail investor who you know is willing to roll dice? Um, that, that to me, it just smacks of a company that should never have even seen the light of day. Jet AI Aviation is another one I've yeah. got on my radar here, and 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 there's they're strange. They're they're a charter broker slash software developer. I mean, which which are you when you, when you're a smaller company like that? You can't be two things at once. It really should be your full devotion to one or the other if you want to be successful at it. So it's curious. <laughs> Some guy pinged me on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago, and he says we're raising money to democracy. We're raising money to start a company. That will democratize business aviation. Business aviation will never be democratized. Will, it, I, you're, you're always going to pay a premium to fly by yourself or you know two or three others, and certainly can't compete with the economics of sitting with 250 of your best friends going to Los Angeles to New York. Yeah, that's what my answer back to the guy was: the world is littered of dead, with dead bodies who tried to democratize business aviation. You know. <laughs> It, it, democratize and business aviation are not too. Yeah, they're, that, just, they're not. They're not. They're not copacetic terms. Yeah, no, that's that, that's one of the buzzwords now. Democratizing, and my, the other one that drives me nuts is, is is everything's bespoke now. So the the, the service that'll be offered when it's democratized will be a bespoke service. <laughs> like aircrafts is not a word. Yeah, crafts. <laughs> aircrafts. I, I see is not a word. Some very smart guys that have been in the industry a while and uh, to aircrafts. Uh, I see writers in the New York Times writing about aircrafts. I'm like, <laughs> did you not learn basic English? You know, but on the flip side too, let's look at the opportunities. So you know, let's let's you know, pilot costs. The regional airlines have been you know choking. Mesa had 40 airplanes parked. They're selling them because they couldn't find pilots. Republic, same. Spirit. You know, all of a sudden now you look at Wheels Up pilots who are probably polishing their resumes up. There's a couple hundred there. Um, FedEx, I just saw an article the other day that FedEx, you know, they're they're looking at their business and saying we got two, 700 pilots too many. Do we hang on to them and what could be? Or are we starting to see the cracks in the quote-unquote pilot shortage? Um, I, I think we're past the cracks. I'm, I'm a little skeptical that there's been a pilot shortage for the last you know year or two. What the what the real shortage is, and it's real, is um, training slots to get these people certified or get a type cert or something. And right. th- those are really tight and hard to come by. Yep. Uh, if if a large charter company is buying a new pilot and has to get them um, type certified. They, they, from what I understand, they, they can't go to the training center and, and hold a reserve slot. They have to have the person's uh, you know name, social, pilot mm-hmm. number, and only that person can come. So when a, a, a new hire onboards, um, there's a waiting period for that person to get into the training slot, which could be months. So how, how does someone remain productive <laughs> until they get their uh, ticket stamped? You know, it's 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 a problem right now. I placed a uh, chief pilot, director of aviation for a company that flies a Challenger 350. 
you know, obviously the goal was, hey, we need to go find somebody who's got a type, right? Well, you know, location, you need somebody there, you know, all right, we'll find, we'll accept somebody who doesn't have a type. And, uh, you know, it was really interesting. Um, both flight safety and CAE, I, I pinged some of my friends there and they were like, hey, look, it's really tight right now, but we do get cancellations and we'll, we'll put you in the block. And there was like, yeah, you know, they came through with one. It was like six, eight weeks, but. Yeah, so these guys, this guy had to fly right seat for, you know, six, eight weeks, but they did come open. And, but that's the thing, you know, people were stealing their instructors. The, the, the simulator slots are all filled up. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, <laughs> but, but, I, but I've talked, I've, I've talked to the, the, the head of operations that's, you know, some, at one of the largest uh, charter operators in the country. And I said, is, is it still hard getting pilots? I said, no, absolutely not. In fact, um, you know, if you if you look around, pilots aren't ju- jumping ship from their positions um, in mass, and they're they're mm-hmm. sticking around. Uh, they must be happy where they are. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I I agree with you that there's some companies that are maybe a little rocky right now, and people are having second thoughts whether they stay there, and that that only increases the the, the numbers that are available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean that's what I found too. Is that you know, uh, um, you know, if you got a good jet. Challenger 300, 350, Gulfstream, something that's an aspirational aircraft. You know, the older Lears, you know, some of the air ambulance companies are struggling a little bit just because, you know, you're, you're still flying a, you know, yeah. steam gauges or, or maybe a, you know, maybe a, a you know, first generation glass. Um, they're probably struggling a little bit, but, you know, most of your 91, 135 operators are, are doing, they're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Prices are up a little bit. I mean, comps, you know, comps up a little bit. But. Yeah, and I and I know Boeing tipped tip their hat a little bit too, and said they're working pretty hard on the automation standpoint. And I know that's probably the discussion of a whole different podcast. Um, but when you see you know Delta American United pilots getting forty percent raises, you can bet the airlines are very motivated to, to find a way to uh, you know reduce m- maybe as a start the, the number of international crew that have mm-hmm. to go on a flight. Uh, but once the camel has its nose under the tent, you, you can be sure with these you know kind of uh, pay premiums that are going on now that they'll be looking at every opportunity to. to Downsize crews. Well, you, you, I, I was talking to a captain in a major airline, and he's making about a half million bucks. Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wide body that, international. Yeah. Why, how does that? Yeah. Why? Well, how does that math add up? You know, they're paying you five. You know, and, and how many hours? Oh, I you know, like five hundred bucks an hour. You know, thousand hours a year, and oof, wow, no wonder my ticket prices are are there. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but once again, you know, you know, now there now the question becomes, you know, the region, it's the regional jet market now. But, you know, I, you know, I, I always thought the union negotiations were very short sighted. I mean, I appreciate that those guys trying to get yeah everything they can. You know, quite frankly, they, they, they lived through pay for training back in the 90s. They lived through, you know, 9-11. They lived through yep. the, you know, the, the Great Recession. Um. You know, for you know, it's, yeah, it, there, there's was, there's no 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 trust for sure, and yeah. yet you, you make uh, you know hay while the sun shines, and the, the sun will get, get cloudy pretty soon and start raining, so you better have something put away for a rainy day. It, unfortunately, it's a it's a secular, uh, it's a cycle, and uh, yeah. it's a secular industry, and that's just the way it uh, yeah. just the way it goes. What's the biggest threat to business aviation? Is it is it the economy? Is it seven and a half percent interest rates? Is it uh, the the uh, the eco crazies in Europe taping themselves to the 
you know, gluing themselves to the tarmac? Is it the guy who doesn't want to take his uh, jet to Ibiza anymore because it might get a paint job? Um, what's the biggest, you know, or, or are we good in the United States and the rest of the world is rolling dice? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of do- dovetail a couple of those things into one here. But the, yeah, in- environmental sustainability is a thing. And it doesn't matter which continue part of the continuum you're on. You're either on the, uh, you know, weather has always been a variable and there's been warming and cooling trends since the creation. And then there's the other extreme where it doesn't matter what the technology is. Aviation isn't green and all flying has to stop. So so it's got to come down there in the middle. Um, But I I think, you know, some corporations and individuals just don't want to get caught up in that, you know, for reputational reasons or for, um, you know, social, you know, type reasons for Mm -hmm. their own uh, image, I'd say. Um, So you'll see them um, do one of a couple things. Um, We we see fractional flying more, um, even though charters going down. And I suspect we'll, we'll see more of that trend as people give up their full aircraft ownership so they don't have to put up with <laughs> any, mm-hmm. any of the so- social stuff going on. Um, others as an alibi might, might do some kind of ca- carbon train trading, or at least, uh, you know, buying some SAF, a little bit of SAF on each flight or something, but um, it, it, it is a thing. And I think you'll see um, pe- people doing the double step even more going forward just to, at, at least give the impression of uh, compliance of some sort, or, or or maybe they're on board and and you know they they need to save the world and they'll do whatever they can to to make that happen. But um, it, it it's principally been a European thing, as you pointed out. But it, it'll slowly um, mi- migrate this way. So maybe we can learn from you know some some of their mistakes and, and triumphs. I'd say, but. You know, there's not a lot you can really do today other than, you know, buy a more efficient plane, use mm-hmm. SAF, um, do, do these, uh, you know, tr- carbon um, trading schemes or, or just looking around your office and trying to, you know, put in more LED light bulbs, you know. I, 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 you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting to be an old grumpy guy, I think. I mean, I lived through, you know, I lived, I remember in high school, this guy getting up, he was from Chevron and getting up in front of the, uh, yeah, big be a big one of the gaggle, yeah, student gaggle, whatever's, and he gets up on stage and he talks about there's only 26 years of natural gas left in the world. You know, it was big energy crisis time. Everyone's like, whoa, 26 years of natural gas. We're, we're going to freeze. We're going to starve. Yeah, yeah. Well, we know that's we know that's not true. And then there was acid rain. And then I remember. Then I remember going to Australia, and they're like, "Oh, you got to wear a hat. The ozone hole will kill you." And then I'm like, <laughs> "All right." So now I got the I got acid rain in the ozone hole, and now we got this. I'm like, "What's the next flavor of the day?" I suspect yeah. this will last another year or two, and then eventually people get bored. And yeah, there's we'll always a, we'll there's always a crisis else. du jour, but but now you have these, you know, economic forums and everything where that's the centerpiece of discussion. So it's. Uh, it's it's worldwide and it's it's it, this one isn't going away. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. I know I I know I always listened to my daughter when she got up and cried. You ruined my childhood by polluting the air. And, like, Honey, you're 16. <laughs> Come talk to me when you graduate college. So you know, um, you know, and I have to remind people. Yeah, you know, it's thousands of good paying jobs in the United States are created by business aviation. 
And the, re the reality of the matter is it's like, it doesn't have to be zero. It just has to be less. So, you know, yeah. let's celebrate the jobs and the, 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 let's celebrate the jobs and the livelihoods that we support and, you know, work towards everything else. Yeah. And, and efficiency is improving with airframes and engines, you know, one to 2% a year, but the contrarians to that will just say, um, yeah, they're, they're getting more economical to operate, so there'll be more of them, so there'll be more carbon emissions. So it's really a, a no-win argument. For, for every argument you come up with, there's a actually a reasonable counter-argument. <laughs> Big Wall Street Journal article. I think uh, I think uh, uh, Freeman. Um, he he write, He calls them the no's, the no growth, the no. You know, and he, you know, the, and it's basically let's just shut the economy down to save the earth. And it's like, well, well, folks, it doesn't work that way. Um, so yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see where that argument goes. But, but, you know, funny, I was just putting together a little talk on, um, the, the talking points for the industry and the counterpoint from the environmentalists, um, biofuels could significantly reduce emissions. Yeah, but it still produces emissions <laughs> and it's only 0.01% of jet fuel today. Yeah. Um, on and on, um, you know, we're, we're going to, reach uh, net zero for the industry for CO2 emissions by 2050. Well, that, that's just being used by the industry to diminish the sense of urgency and disguise inaction and evade responsibility. So, you know, give me a reason that it's already thought out. There, there's yeah. literally a, a website of talking points, how to counter the industry when they try oh, yeah, to. Of course. Yeah. It's the, you know, Hey, look, it's Republican versus Democrat. You know, you're yeah. no matter what you say, you're wrong. If, you're you know, right. if I'm on the other side, you're wrong. So mm -hmm. who's doing it right out there? All right, let's 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 shift this to a positive gear. You got Gulfstream, Bombardier, Dassault, Embraer, Cessna, Dyer, you know, SACOM Direct and, and all the other guys. You have some some big names. In the who's who's doing things really, really well right now? Yeah. You, you mean in general or not? We're, in we're general. Not, in not, general. Not, who's it? Who's innovating the most? Who's really you know, who are you most bullish on? Who's who's doing things really well and why? Yeah. Um, you know, just just working our way around. Um, Gulfstream, Gulfstream has done a good job of creating a, a family of aircraft for the future. Um, they won't have to come out with anything um, new and disruptive um, in the interim. Um, a, a little negative, believe it or not, is is a, a lot of some of their new products are sort of on top of each other. So there'll be a little bit of cannibalization, I think, amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. um, may, maybe they have one one too many products, in my view. Maybe they could have tightened up the, the, the span a little bit. Um, you know, Dassault has suffered for years because of the 5X, where the mm -hmm. engine just couldn't be delivered. They lost years. They lost market share. They lost sales. Um, but they're finally uh, getting their act together with the 6X, as, as discussed, mm -hmm. and the 10X in the future. So that's a good thing. Um, Cessna has been resting on their laurels a little bit. I've been very unimpressed with the new jet iterations that have come out with these Gen 2 derivatives. Yep. And it's like, let, let, let's add a, a, a second ADF, and that's Gen 3 now, you know, it's it, it, or, or, or have electric window shades. and. Uh, and, a, and more cup holders, and that justifies a new one. Um, I suspect they might be a little bit bogged down in things like the Denali, um, yeah, which is the, behind schedule. Yeah, the know, I, I suspect the Denali will end up somewhere in a museum with the Starship. I just don't see the 
Uh, you know, look, the the Pilatus PC-12, great airplane. It's proven. It's, you know, to go compete against that thing, you're, you know, you're, you're starting from a 10-foot hole. Yeah. Um, the, the, the real differentiator of that was the new engine, um, which is supposed to be supposedly, supposedly 20% more efficient. But if it ain't working, you can't get certified. That's um, kind, kind of, uh, you know, not, not really worth it. Um, but I think Cessna Textron could be doing more to uh, come out with something new, which is one of the first things you, you discussed. Um, em Embraer is kind of steady as she goes. You know, the 500 and 600 are re yeah, relatively new. Yeah, the, the charter industry and fractional loves the 300 and even the 100. You know, they, they have a, uh, a, a history of building airliners and things for high utilization, which is why um, charter and fractional likes those kind of airplanes. They have the perception, at least, that these things are built to, you know, be beat up on um, pretty consistently. Um, Bombardier sort of has to look out a little bit, as we mentioned. Um, you know, they were a little bit ahead with their global 7,500 and and soon 8,000, I suspect. Um, but Gulfstream is hot on their heels with the, um, you know, 700. Yep. That, 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 that's a questionable marketing thing. It, it reminds me, there's the Gulfstream 700 and 800, which are new. You, you would think the 800 is the flagship because it's the biggest number, but it, it's really just a warmed over 650, if, yep. the, the way I understand it. So it's a little you know, tough to understand their, their marketing sometimes. Um, so uh, yeah, Bombardier kind of has to watch out. The, the other trap that's out there for them too is if something does hiccup at vista jet they've got a ton of bombardier Ooh, yeah challengers and globals and you, you name the bombardier product and they have it and if those hit the market all at once that would be devastating because it would really impact the new sales and mm -hmm. cause them some great grief um who are we missing here? I think, I think, the, I think we covered it. We, we yeah. covered it. I think we, we, we kind of yeah. covered you. Bullish. Yeah. You know, so where are you at right now? I mean, obviously, you know, we've got some economic headwinds, that little bit, maybe some economic headwinds ahead of us. Yeah. China, Europe, you know, United States teetering a little bit. Um, soft landing, maybe. We'll see. But are you do you stay bullish about the industry or are you a little bit flat? Where are you? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think deliveries this year will come in um, close to where they were in 2019 before the rug got pulled out. Um, I, I I was a little more bullish in, in 2020, 2021. There, there was such interest in business aviation, but none of the manufacturers seemed to be able to get their supply chain act together or just, just their act together in general to crank up production and take uh, advantage of that. Mm -hmm. So I, I had forecast deliveries. Uh, you know, going from the 700 level, which it has been since, you know, for the last decade, pretty much until COVID, um, go, going to 900 at some point by 2025 or so. But that's that that would certainly be at the high end now, still still achievable. Um, but for now, the market is uh, re re relatively quiet from the sake that it's not shooting up. It's not shooting down. It's just kind of stable right now. And um, manufacturers are cr cranking up production a little bit, not, not greatly, um, but conservatively. And, you know, we should, should be cr cranking along about like we are now without any, um, great, great change. Um, but certainly the, you know, warning flags are coming in the economy probably more often than in the past. 
you know, in the past, people used to say, hey, there's going to be a recession because there there has to be <laughs> was kind of the justification. Um, but now one could think, you know, there's going to be a recession because mortgage rates are at all time highs and mm-hmm. house house sales are falling. Um, auto loans, yeah. uh, interest rates at all time high, used cars slowing down. Um, you know better than anyone, but new hires aren't getting these, uh, you know, gorgeous intro packages when they come on and, and, and they're being offered less. So everything's starting to cool down and that could eventually, you know, translate to our industry as well. Yeah, I know. Look, I look at, you know, just the government debt thing. And I think a lot of the cheap government yeah. debt is going to come due in 2024, 2025, and then they have to restart all over and start to crowd out the public sector. Yeah. Or the private sector. So like, oof, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe soft landing till 25, 26, but then you know, we'll have to see what the we'll have to see what Jerome Powell come, or, yeah. or or his or his successor will have an election by then. We'll have yeah. to see what they will have to see what they come up with. Right? Or, or, or just or just tiny crew, uh, clues, like like as you mentioned, the 700 FedEx pilots they don't have anything to do right now because there's not enough cargo to fly. You know, so, something secular is happening, and it's you can see it across industry. It's not in any one area, which is is kind of a cautionary tale, perhaps. Yeah, we'll see. Hey, Brian, so how do people get a hold of you? <laughs> oh, you know, I'm 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 around. Uh, <laughs> Just, uh, you know, look, look me up, Brifo, B-R-I-F-O dot com. You know, J-Lo, Brifo for Brian Brifo, Cole, you're, you're the Brifo, you're Brifo. <laughs> exactly. So I, actually, some people call me that. That's, that's sort of what I'm known to, to some some in the industry, but uh, always around to have a chat. <laughs> I love it. I love reading your articles at Forbes. Thanks for coming on today. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pickett.